mai ka la puka i hae hae a i ka hoku wela welo i lehua. Aloha nui kakoa pauloa. Mahalo ka hoiho ana mai. E hua ka ipu kako ma ka aina nani o ka unui hie hie. Aloha everyone, from hae hae where the sun first rises to the fiery setting of that sun at the tiny island of Lehua by Mi'i Hau. Mahalo for rejoining us on our huaka'i as we traverse the great land of Kau. Velina mai, welcome to Kaleo o Kauluau. Aloha elei, pehe oi. Mai ka ino, pehe oi. Mai ka i mahalo. Today we have a surprise for our listeners. For the first time on our show, we're welcoming two special guests in one episode to share Ma'olala with us. Yes, we have two guests with us today to share their perspectives on Ka'u. Would you please introduce our first special guest, Drew? Sure. Helehonuamea Harmon is the great-granddaughter of Mary Kavena Pukui, Hawaiian scholar and native of Ka'u. Pele was born and raised on Oahu, but she moved to Hawaii Island to return to the land of her ancestors, and she and her husband Kekoa have raised their four children in Hawaiian. Olelo Hawaii is the primary language of their household. Pele is a graduate of Kamehameha Schools, and she went on to receive degrees from the College of Hawaiian Language, Kahakaulo Ke'elikolani at the University of Hawaii at Hilo, and she's been involved in Hawaiian language revitalization efforts for over 20 years, 17 of those as a teacher at Kekulao Nawahio Kalaniopu Hawaiian Medium School in Keau in Puna. She is a Hula Uniki graduate of Kimo Alama Keolana and along with her husband are the Kumu of Halawi Kaleolao Namamo. She's also a board member of the Mary Kavena Pukui Cultural Preservation Society, and she's a member of the Hawaiian Civic Club of Kau, as well as the Waikapuna Stewardship Committee. As a descendant of Nakupuo Kau, she'll share her aloha of the land of the Kuehulepo wind and mo'olalo that have been passed down in her ohana through her kupuna. Along with Pele, we have her hoa, her friend. Lei, would you please introduce our other special guest for today? It would be my pleasure. We are happy to have Aina Akamu joining us. Aina's mo'oku alhau traces back to Kekuhau Pio and Pine, and his ohana has lived in Ka'u for 67 generations. He was born and raised in Ka'u, and traditional family dynamics played an important role in his upbringing as Aina was raised by his paternal grandmother, who spoke Hawaiian and was part of the first group of Hawaiian Studies Kupuna teaching in Ka'u. She passed on many of the traditions, such as hana no'eau, or highly functional art forms to him. Aina's educational background is marked by diversity. His journey took him from Na'alehu to Kapa'alama, New Hampshire, California, and back to Hawaii as he focused on subjects ranging from linguistics and theater to bilingual education to industrial engineering technology to design and drafting. These skills all contributed to his current role at Ka'u High School where he teaches a variety of core subjects. Aina also teaches Hawaiian studies through the early college program for Ka'u High School students. He chairs the education committee and serves as Kakao Olelo for the Hawaiian Civic Club of Ka'u. He's a member of Ka'u Ha'au Congregational Church and is a community volunteer and land steward. He's proud to be a protector of all things Hawaiian, of all things Ka'u, and is a strong supporter and advocate of Aloha Aina. What interesting lives our guests have been leading. And the extent to which they've given back to their communities, it's huge. Yes, so amazing, Drew. Let's go over to them now. Aloha, Pele and Aina. Mahalo for being here with us today and starring in our first double feature of two Mo'olelo sharers at once. 
Aloha. Aloha mai. Aloha to you both. We're super excited to have you here today to share mo'olelo vahipana of the famous moku of Kau. So now we'd like to turn things over to you folks. Mahalo nui. Oh, mahalo. Hi, Kau. Um, no, Leila. Well, I, I want to introduce myself. My name is Pele Honua Mia Harmon. I am very honored to be here today to talk about the aina of my kupuna, the land of my ancestors, um, Kau. Uh, Kau nui hie hie. Um, and that's one of the lyrics that my great grandmother put in one of her songs. Yeah, Kau nui, um, the breast that stands majestically. And so, and I know. Hi, aloha mai. My name is Aina Akamu, and I'm very happy to be here with you all today to share some mo'olelo and mana'o about the very special vahipana that I come from, which is Kau. And more specifically, I was born and raised in Na'alehu. And my family is specifically from the areas of Waiohinu, Ha'ao, and most recently, Palauhulu. So it is a pleasure for me to be here with you folks today and to share a little bit about Kau. Yeah, so I, I'm really happy to have um, Aina here. Aina and I are we're classmates, and we've been friends for many, many years. And um, somehow, Kau people they seem to just find each other, whether it be at school in Honolulu, at a you know in high school or intermediate school. And we were just having a conversation right before this about how um, so many of our friends or our family members they trace a lot of their um, ancestry or at least some kind of um, linkage to Kau. So like any people anywhere in the islands, you know, you're very proud of your your land, your aina. And um, Kau people like to think of ourselves as rebellious, ikaika, you know, strong, um, very strong in our convictions. And then also that was something that I was raised uh, knowing, although I was raised in Honolulu. Yeah, and so all these mo'olelo, all these stories that were shared with me by my father and then also um, through the writings of my great-grandmother and um, an aunt who, um, Patience Namakabikin, who just passed away um, a few weeks ago, actually, at the age of 100. And so she was very proud as well to connect herself to um, Kau, and she would always share um, stories and her her manao her her thoughts on um on kau. So what what's our mo'olelo today? What what what's your first mo'olelo? Well, <clears throat> for me, I think when I when I think about kau, for myself, um, it carries a lot of responsibility being uh you know a descendant of these lands, and kau is a place that was the first settlement of Hawaiians when you first came here. And so the kuleana of carrying that connection, that original source connection to this aina is part of the DNA of what makes us kau. So although kau people have been described as rebellious, um, resistant um, to change, I think it's because we have still that same vibration inside of our core that was placed on this aina over 1,200 years ago. And that vibration that's in the lands of Kau that comes out of the U is something that vibrates perfectly with people who are Kama'aina of Kau. And so for me, Kau is really about us as descendants of the land. 
We are people of the land. And so every place in Ka'u that has a name is our family member. And we know Ka'u not just as a place, but we know it as our ohana. So often we don't say, oh, I'm from Ka'u. We'll say, oh, I'm Ka'u. I am Ka'u. That's who we are. And what's also special about Ka'u is the vastness of Ka'u. And so although in Ka'u we all realize that ho'okahi no ohana o Ka'u, my uka, my ka'uka ake kai, right? We are one family in Ka'u from the uplands to the mountains, my kahipai, a kahipai, from the edges to the edges, we're all one ohana. And in that one ohana, we are made up of so many different things. And those things are all aina and kai. It's the vana and the ina and the sea cucumbers and the caterpillars. And that is who we are as ka'u. And as Pele was sharing a little bit earlier, when, you know, people say about ka'u that we are, um, there's, there's this saying, right? Ka'u makaha, right? So we are the fierce people of ka'u. And there is no better embodiment of that than in our a'ali'i. The a'ali'i plant is the epitome of who we are as ka'u. Because if you know ka'u, you know ka'u is a very windy place. We have so many names, probably more wind names than people even know about that have been recorded. We still have them in ka'u. And so for us in ka'u, for today being kuhio day, when you think of the name kuhio, the chief who stands yeah, with a lean, that embodies the people of Ka'u because although the winds come from Mauka, from Makai, from right, Iloko, from Ivaho, no matter which ways the wind blows, like the Aali'i, the people of Ka'u, we lean, we bend, we survive, we thrive. And to me, there's the only way you can think about that is because we are at the natural elements of this land. And that's how we see ourselves as really the descendants of the Aina. So for us in Ka'u, one thing different too is the way that we interact with our Aina. The Aina is something that had commands so much respect in Ka'u. That's why in Ka'u, we don't want nobody coming and building nothing. We don't want them building a spaceport. We don't want them building a rubbish dump. We don't want them building a Riviera. We don't want them building a satellite spin lot. A hotel. Yeah. Or, we yeah. really don't because, right, what we want is the land. Because that's our ohana. For every acre that you destroy to build something, that's our ohana. Yeah, that's one loss of a connection that we have. So for us, people like to say, about, oh, you guys are so rebellious. But there's a reason. It's a kuleana. It is not just a nickname that we throw around, right, in Ka'u, but it's a kuleana, right? And so just like Kuhio, how he sh showed us and taught us how to kue, how to resist, right? You can see that in the winds and the plants and the trees of Ka'u. When you come to Ka'u, people notice, what's different about our trees in Ka'u? They're all leaning to the side. They're all hio, hio, hio. And that's the pua hio, hio winds, the winds that makes all the trees lean. But these trees in Ku, they survive. Mm -hmm. For generations, they're still there and the wind doesn't knock them down. Right. And so that is us, the kupa aina of Ka'u. Right. And I think just um, it's so important to mahalo for noting that about our connection to land and then also to the elements, but also to... Um, other life forms, you know, whether whether it be plant ali, or um, as you're talking, I was thinking about okay, 
what are some of my favorite kaumu olelo? So one is definitely um, as a hula person, knowing that kau can brag about the ili ili hana o koloa. And I know um, I know had brought this up earlier because um, as we celebrate kuhio, um, he actually had returned uh, some of the some ili ili hana to his his hale his home, and um, lo and behold, after a while, it it. Pr- produced um, baby Ili Ili. And so this is a phenomena that I, I, I remember always growing up and thinking, um, how how true is that? How how can we have Ili Ili, you know, something that we're taught um, in Western education as being something, um, an inanimate object, something without ola. But we know from Ka'u people, whether it be a pohaku, um, whether it be... Uh, caterpillar that that all of these things have have a life have all have an essence to it and so the ili ili hanau I actually I remember when we were growing up and when I was old enough to travel to Kau then um, my father brought us to he took us to Punalu'u and he took us to go look at the ili ili and we did collect and and um because we had at our house my grandmother and my great-grandmother had collected and they had it in a um a pola a calabash bowl and it was very prominently in our living room and I thought hmm this is interesting because there's a little puka puka there's little pukas and then there's little babies and it um and I, I wanted to see it that's one of the things that I wanted to see for myself so there was such a um I think that's something that ka'u people can um, that you know is uniquely ka'u and that hula people, we really do appreciate that because you want an ili ili that's going to have a nice kani, a nice sound um, that um, lends itself. All the dances that you dance with the ili ili have to do with the aina because that's where it is. Kalamai, what are ili ili? Oh, ili ili. So those are our pebbles. And I guess what would the translation be like casting it? Um, yeah, similar to that as yeah. far as a mil- as far as an implement. Yeah, uh, or um, it's a, a nice pebble that fits in your hand, and you'll use um, pairs of it. So um, usually you have two in one hand and two in the other, so a, a pair of um, ili ili, and you use it to create this sound. And I wish I had one with me because it's such a beautiful sound when you're um, dancing, and it keeps the beat for a, a hula person. And so these particular pebbles. Um, there's a female and a male pebble. And the female have these holes, these puka that you find little tiny um, pebbles in that somehow they reproduce. And um, I'm not a scientist. I can't explain it. However, I, I know that I have seen it for myself because we did have this ili ili in our home. And I was able to visit Punalu'u as a youngster and see it along the beach. And unfortunately, every time I go Punalu'u now, I don't really see ili ili hano um, okoloa. Um, I always try to look, but um, perhaps they're hiding themselves because um, it's not time to collect. Yeah. Yeah. So... I actually love talking about the ili ili <clears throat> because it really does embody the higher level of connection that the kupa aina of kau really have, right? And for us, the, uh, the ili ili is what we consider to be an ali'i aimoku. It's our chief. The winds are our chief. The currents are our chief. And I remember when I was in the second grade, 
and we we're having this conversation in our class, and it, it was about science. And the teacher had asked us about rocks and if rocks were alive. And I remember because my grandmother had taken me down and told me these stories, and I had to collect ili ilis myself. Um, I said, yes, they are alive. And I was the only student, seven years old, at Na'alihu Elementary School who was arguing with the teacher. <laughs> and I was considered to be disrespectful. And I remember they called my grandmother because here was this boy insisting that these rocks are alive. And I, would ref and I refused to let my teacher try to convince me or my classmates that these rocks were not alive. And as a seven-year-old boy, I just knew. I didn't know, like Pele was saying, what is the science? What is behind this? But I knew these rocks were alive. Finally, several years later, um, I'm now a, a high school teacher, um, and I also teach Hawaiian studies at Hoi Community College. And I found a way, Pele, to explain this now to the Kamali'i. And so this is how I explain why these ili'ili are alive. And I'm going to use an example. So in front of me is a plastic juice bottle. All right, As a, I have a plastic juice bottle sitting in front of me. I would ask my students, is this juice bottle alive? And they would say, no. I said, no, it is alive. To Hines, it's alive. And they say, it's not alive, it's just a juice bottle. I said, no, think about this. I said, look at this plastic juice bottle. Is it moving or is it still? They say, it's still. I said, are you sure? Are you sure it's not moving? Yeah, it's still. I said, okay, let's break down this juice bottle. When you break this juice bottle down to its smallest, 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 smallest components and elements, what do you get? Oh, the atom, the periodic table of the elements. And when you learn about this periodic table in science, and I'm not a scientist by any means, you learn that there are things called electrons and protons and neutrons, and are they stationary? They're moving. Every organic thing in this world is dynamic, it has a kinetic energy, and it has a mana and a life force. Everything from the juice bottle to the ili ili to everything that you see around us, to the papale that we wear, the lole we put on every day, everything has a vibration and an energy. Even this plastic juice bottle. And our Hawaiian kupuna never had to explain this because it was already understood so they could excel. And so for us, uh, when, we, when I tell the story of the ili ili and I take my students down to Punalu and I have them collect and I have them find me a kane and a wahine, I tell them this and no longer will they ever be afraid to stand up to anybody that comes along and tells them there is not mana in everything in the world because there is. And Hawaiians knew it before the Westerners knew it. Right, And we gave them time to catch up and figure it out in their way, with their language, so they could explain it to themselves. And essentially, what my kupuna would say is that Western science just complicates everything. <laughs> right? Hawaiians, we understood it, we know it, and we figure out how do we live in harmony with that vibration. Right? How do we find resonance instead of dissonance you know, in our lives? And Hawaiians were smart. They understood these concepts. Yeah, They weren't just farmers. They were ethnobotanists. They were hydrologists. They understood the weather. And they understood the deities that controlled the weather. And they understood that if we did not chant and practice our protocols in the right way, the rains would leave and our people would starve. And so for us, it's so much more about just rebellion and thinking that the rocks are alive, right? It's about how do we maintain the essence and the core of what is Hawaii, right? From Kahiki to Kalai throughout the rest of our 200 plus islands that's here, yes. right? And when we think about it, 
right? Hawaii is connected, right? Beneath our islands to everywhere else in the Paki Pika. Yeah, people see the Paki Pika as a barrier, right. but for Hawaiians, it was a bridge. It's what connected us. The Pacific, us, definitely. Right? And in the most elemental level, right, in the fire caverns of Ailaau, right, and Tutupele, that is the connection. And what is flowing through there? It's energy, it's vibration. And where is that vibration pukaing out? In the middle of Hawaii, right in Kau. That is the U. Right. The right? breast, it's the, it's the it, it's the original source of energy and mm-hmm. mana that created everything in the Hawaiian universe, right? Scientists call it Big Bang Theory, right? We just know it as mana. That's simply what it is. And I think, I, I just want to kind of piggyback on this. I, when you're saying Aina, and I'm in full support of, you know, what you were just sharing with us, is that um, we are, our kupuna had these best best practices for sustainability, for environmentalism. And um, I think even beyond in a world today, we're in 2021 and we see so many things happening around the world that um, just would not have um, been understood by our kupuna, the way that people interact and um, don't take care of our aina, don't take care of our land. And so it's... um, I think even growing up, you you just knew not to offend other things or to hana you know to to cause harm to things because if you have that mindset that everything has uh has a mana has essence has life within it, then why would you go and um, throw rocks at you know uh, a loli a sea cucumber in the ocean or why would you um, take more than you need um, to sustain your ohana. And so I was thinking about another mo'olelo that we had that I grew up with. Um, and I had to kind of call up my father and say, Dad, okay, I, I remember this mo'olelo, but can you just refresh, you know, um, my 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 brain as far as um, where, where specifically this cave was? And so in our ohana and many ohana, we have... Um, I remember growing up and saying, even even though we lived on Oahu, yeah, and we just never were wet to the ocean. That's just a thing that we we did not do. And so, um, and I would I would I would always have to explain it to my friends, like, well, that's such a cute swimsuit. Like, why wouldn't you wear it? Because it's red, and you know, it has Hello Kitty or it has something, you know. And well, we don't wear red. Kau people they don't wear red in the ocean, and so. Um, it wasn't until I got older that I could um, understand why. And and my dad always said, no, because that's the color. Kua um, is the shark god of Kau. And um, you don't want to, you don't want to offend him. And so we would, um, but you're, you're of his people, you know, because you come from that lineage. So I said, okay. But um, for us, we had, there's a place out in um, Puhiula, um, Puhiula, and that's kind of near, it's in the song, you know, when you go to Waikapuna and then you can see the, um, it's a Puhiula cave. And um, we had a, a my great-grandmother, Mary Kavana Pukui, had a uncle who lived um, in that cave. Um, and he was a fisherman. He was a very good fisherman. And so whenever she would get ono, whenever she would um, start to crave uh, a certain kind of fish, then their practice was to go down to Puhiula cave and make sure that this uncle um, could 
um, call out to our Omakua, um, which is a descendant of Kua, uh, our, our, our family god, our Omakua, and, um, which took the, the form of a, a shark. And so um, he would call out to Pakaea, or sometimes Pakaea, which was the name of the, um, the Omakua, would, would know that this was a craving that somebody had. And so he would chase um, the school of fish into the, um, into the shore. And so um, having that close relationship with all living things, but to the point where there's a spiritual connection and then it, it's something, uh, a cognitive connection, a psychological connection where um, you, you know specifically who your, who your family God is and what their name is. And they're going to always take care of you. But in, in um, your kuleana, your responsibility is to also take care of that, um, that omakua, that family God. Um, and so there was this, very close, very important relationship um, between things that Westerners might think aren't are, aren't living, um, or how could that be? You know, how could you communicate with a shark? Well, because they're family, like how Aina said, and so that's another moolelo um, that you know. And, and then the way that we we were raised when we were growing up was okay. That, so you don't wear red, and as you got older, then you understood why. And then all the other stories that went along with that. And so for me, um, not only does that remind me to teach my children that, um, but hopefully they also understand that in other cultures, it might be um, okay to um, kill mano, kill sharks for a sport. But in our culture, especially if you know that your family God, who your family God is, then you wouldn't um, go out knowing because if you know, then you have to do better. You have to be better about these things. You have to take care. You have to malama. Um, ignorance, you can't claim ignorance to to things that you were taught by your kupuna. And it's our um, our kuleana to hold on to that, to, to perpetuate that in our generation, our next generation as well. So, yeah. What, did you get to wear ula ula? Did you get to wear red? <clears throat> uh, ole. And my grandfather was a Lavaia. So we had very strict rules about fishing and how that happened. Um, and um, even though it was funny because even though my grandfather was Chinese-Japanese, um, his practices were very kama'aina, right? And so even though he's Chinese-Japanese, he's born in Ka'alaiki, right up in the fields, right? Um, and this is, you know, the, the lands above the plantation, um, the plantations of Na'alehu. And for my grandfather, being raised here, he was a Kama'aina. And so his family spoke fluent Hawaiian. They couldn't read or write any Hawaiian, but that, and they basically raised taro and they had a poi factory and they basically, you know, because the Chinese and, you know, their understanding of taro um, also. So that's what my ohana did. And I remember <clears throat> my grandmother, um, my grandmother was amazing at various hananoeo. And so I don't know how she was able to do these amazing things, but I perhaps have the most amazing collection of Hawaiian artifacts, and I'm blessed to have this because of my grandmother. And when I was a child, the most prized possession I believe that my grandmother had was her pahu, right, her hula drum. And it always had a very prominent place in her hale, 
Um, and then when I was living on Oahu, she asked me to please retrieve these things and to put them in my hale when I lived on Oahu. Um, I introduced these to my students. And I remember my students' faces when I told them that my drum was made with the real shark skin. Right? And when they looked at the this hung, and for most of them, this is the first time they actually saw an actual pahu that was made with the shark skin. And I remember my grandmother telling me the story of how when she created her pahu, the last thing that she needed to do was to cover the top and lash it. And in my grandmother's house, I still have it. I have a big plastic container that's full of kaula that she braided from coconut husk fiber. It's hundreds of feet long. And I remember my grandmother as a child just rubbing this stuff on her leg, right? And I remember, oh, how lucky you don't have hair on your legs. And she would have me do it too because I didn't have hair on my legs, right? So we would rub and would make all of this cordage. And so my grandmother was telling me that after she had made her pahu, right, she knew that it needed to be finished. But she could not find a mano. And she would talk to my grandfather, who was a fisherman. He said, you know, if you're able to catch a mano, my grandpa would always basically just say, huh. He would just always, huh, give her this kind of, huh. Right? So my grandmother would once in a while drop hints, and it was actually several years that my grandmother's pahu went unfinished. And so finally, one day, my grandmother says, out of the blue, my grandfather came home from fishing, and he brings her a baby mano. And she looks at my grandfather, right? And he basically had no words for her, right? There was nothing to be said. And my grandmother took this mano, she placed her nose upon it, she breathed into it, she mahaloed the mano, and she was able to take one piece of his belly skin. And the piece that she was able to retrieve was the exact perfect fit for her pahu. And what my grandmother told me was that for generations in our ohana, when we would hala and pass on, our ohana would take the bones and would feed them to the mano off of Honuapu. And these mano would come and basically they would consume of our bones and that would then allow us to become aumakua ourselves. And it was... For my grandmother, she said that it was the time in her life that she finally received the affirmation. That she was what she called me, what she basically said is that she was one of the chosen ones in her ohana. And I remember when my grandmother told me this story, she says, and now this is for you. And so for me, just, you know, thinking about the mano and, you know, what's special in our family, for us Hawaiians today, to be able to put our ihu, right, nose to nose with a mano is something that we'll probably never be able to do again. But when I put my ihu on top of my grandmother's pahu, it's like the hanu is of... It's like this, it's like I'm floating through a tunnel of light, right? And that light is essentially the pureness of mana. That's all I can explain it. And so for me, 
When you think of Kau, all I really hope it does for you is help you to connect from the places that you are from. I'm just very blessed that I am able to have had a connection, that a connection was shared with me. And my grandmother found something within me that she wanted to download all of this knowledge into me. And what's interesting is I have here a, a Ziploc bag of all these handwritten notes and stories that my grandmother would constantly write. And so what I was sharing, you know, before I came today was, we'll see kind of what comes out and what gets shared. Um, but perhaps the most important thing that I would love for everybody to know about Kau is that Kau is a place that should hopefully inspire everyone to reconnect with their own Aina, right? To find that experience in your life when you can come Ihu to ihu, right? And you can share that ha with your ancestors. And that's really a special thing. Gosh, what do you say after that? <laughs> um, I, I would say, yeah. So Aina, I mean, I'm really appreciative that, not just that, you know, you always feel like people come into your life you, and you meet them for certain reasons, right? And then for, for us to reconnect after having graduated and starting our lives and he was in Honolulu and I was here and then he's here and I'm here now. And so um, it's such a blessing to be able to reconnect with people of Kau, but also I think with the, with the Aina, like how um, Aina shared because um, growing up on Oahu, um, you don't have a lot of, especially in Honolulu, where I'm from, I'm from the east side, you don't have a lot of opportunity to connect at that level with um, with Vahipana, with um, places of um, significance to us culturally. And so um, you always feel, I always felt like there was something calling me back to, especially this island. Um, and then being able to share that with my children um, and my family, my sister who lives here and her family as well, her kiki. And then even my students at Navahi, you know, um, that there's an old saying, right? And we, we always throw this around, but it's so true. That the land is our chief and we're just its servants. And so um, we have to know these places in order to take care of these places. We have to tap into the knowledge of our ancestors, our kupuna, whether written or whether orally spoken to us, whether we're blessed enough to have um, grandmothers like Aina had who shared with this and fed it straight from her mouth to his ears. Um, and, and then him knowing that along with that came a responsibility to take care of these places. And so that's where we're, we're now finding ourselves on stewardship committees, Waikapuna stewardship committees, and trying to do whatever we can to make sure that what Kau has to offer to us as individuals and our ohana and then the community um, stays that way in perpetuity for the next generation uh, for and the generations after that because we are just temporary servants to Kau. Really, and um, and all the rich mo'olelo, all the stories that have been passed down um, at a very deep level, they're there to instruct us on how to take care of these places. They're there to connect us, and they're there to also um, remind us that uh, no one person or no one being is above the other, that we are all... Um, 
on an equal level, uh, playing field when it comes to our land and taking care of our land. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have, how many, um, or if you chose to work the land your entire life. Uh, everyone has something to to contribute to uh, taking place of this beautiful aina that we call home, yeah, Hawaii, and especially for um, Ka'u. So, oh, I mean, there's so many mo'olelo that, there's so many stories that I feel um, growing up, even though I didn't physically live here, I was so proud to to know because um, these are things that we have to teach our kids. Yeah, resiliency in um, adversity. I mean, how many natural disasters have the Kau people seen, and yet they have this love and affinity for Pele. They have this respect for Pele. They know that we are just temporary stewards of this land. We're not here to really own and we cannot control things that are with beyond our control but we can take care of it and we can um, mahalo it we can be appreciative of those things yeah and so yeah i think to you know just to kind of finish up where where my mana all went towards the end of our our mo'olalo time today is i've come to realize that i am very blessed because I come from a long line of water protectors. And these were Wahine and my family. And as, as I've said, my family um, is from Waiohino in Kau, a very, very wet place. Um, and my family, my ohana, my great, great, great grandmother, Kahula, was one of the manavahine, right, who understood how to communicate with the mo'o yeah, up at Ha'au. And I remember my grandmother telling me the story of why is it called Waiohinu, right? The waters of Hinu. And my grandmother said this because Hinu was the Mo'o. Yeah, yeah Hinu was the Mo'o. What do you mean Hinu was the Mo'o? Hinu was the lady who would guard that spring. So I said, was she shiny? Right? So you're a little kid, right? So was she a shiny lady? Is that why they called her, right? Is that Waiohinu? And they said... If our ohana did not keep that po'owai clean, the mo'o would go and bathe in the spring and all the lepo from her skin would wash off in the spring and it would make the water all shiny down through all the taro patches and basically contaminate the water. Telling the people, you are not doing your koleana of keeping my water source clean. That is why it's a shining water. It's not a good thing. And like for us in Ku, when I started with, it's a kuleana to carry. So when you think about Waiohinu, it should remind you that we don't want the waters to be shiny. It's not something we want to have, Waiohinu. We actually want the opposite of it. And it's that kauna and it's understanding those things, right? And so for me, I understand, ah, Waiohinu is the place because that is the most important thing we have to protect in this area. We have to be water protectors, right? And our family was the one who had that designated kuleana to make sure that Hinu was always happy, right? And so the water was always clean and always fresh at Ha'au. It grew the biggest and best and most tasty taro, right? And for today, I think that's just a metaphor 
right, for how we need to live our lives in sustainability with the earth. Mm -hmm. We had to make sure that we don't get everything all shiny, right? That our plastic bottle use, that our single use plastics, right? That those are things that will actually begin to clutter the land. Even while you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, the Wayohinu and also um, Kama'oa. So, um, you know, for, for my family, and it's funny because my sister, my baby sister, she's the youngest, but she has the most kiki. She has the most kids. Um, she had a set of twins. And so my father was, would tell us, because he, he's a, um, he said, well, I was waiting for, you know, I was waiting for twins to come along. And I thought, and I told him why. And he said, well, because it runs in our family. That's from the Ka'u side. And I remembered the story and I said, oh, you're right, dad, you know, of the, um, the gourd that grew from the navel of a, um, of a kupuna of ours. And she um, died and she, from her navel grew this vine. And it went all across all the different ahupua of Ka'u. And from that vine grew a very nice looking ipu. And from that ipu came twin girls. And so, and those are, and we descend from from that. So, you know, that that relationship between, okay, a gourd, now would your science teacher have said a gourd lives? You know, probably not. Um, but it's very important to ka'u people. The, the symbol of the gourd, the relationship to lono, um, the relationship between all the ahupua'a as well in ka'u. And then to living, you know, to our, our, our lineage. And so when she had her twins, then my dad said, okay, I was, I was expecting one of you folks to have twins. I said, well, thank God it wasn't me. (laughs) 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 Mahalo. Yeah. To all. Yeah. Mahalo that I did not have the twins. My sister had the twins, but, um, and, and they hold, they carry on family names for us as well. So this is all things that continue to live. And as long as we, we do right by our kupuna, as long as we do right by our, our aina, as long as we do right by ourselves and our ohana, they will continue on um, these mo'olelo and then all the, the meanings behind it, yeah, and the, the deeper connections that we draw from it, the deeper life lessons. Um, so, wapopaha, wapopaha, yai. Ay, mahalo. No, mahalo nui. Um, I just want to touch on something that Aina mentioned is that the very important information is conveyed in the place names. And it's important for us to learn the, the mana'o behind it because, like you said, if it was white ohino, oh, maybe we want shiny waters. What is what? No, you know, you have to know the history behind it and why we don't want shiny waters. So mahalo to both of you for everything you shared. So much to to think about. And um, I think one of the main overreaching themes that I get from you folks is this deep connection and the kuleana to um, maintain this lineage of knowledge from one generation to the next. So mahalo nui. Hi, mahalo. We are so appreciative of what you folks have shared with us today and our listening audience. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing and um, very eye-opening what you've shared and, and I echo what the sentiments that Leia's just expressed about the, the deep rootedness that you that comes out in your mo'olelo and the connections that you folks have with majestic ka'u. And mahalo ya oko, mahalo to everyone um, for listening and um, like Aina said, you know, we all take care of our, our aina, we have to kama aina, whether it 
in a roundabout way like myself through Mo'olelo and Mele and then physically um, coming back to Hawaii Island and connecting in that way. Um, there's never um, there's never a time when that's not important. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what part of your life um, and how you how you do it, how you take care of um, Hawaii. But it's a kuleana. It's a responsibility that we do it. Yeah. Hi, and mahalo nui for this opportunity again. Aloha. 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 Mahalo. And with that, mahalo nui to Pelehonua Mea Harmon and Aina Kamu for visiting us here on Kaleo o Kauluau and for sharing Ike with our listeners. We learned that Kau people have a deep connection with their Aina, their land, a connection that is ancestral and binding. Along with that connection, though, comes Kuleana. Yes, we mahalo our special guests today. It's been a privilege to hear mo'olo of Kau as we make our way around this island of Hawaii. Mahalo again, dear audience, for lending your ears to this episode of Kaleo Kauluau. Please join us again for our next episode. Episodes come out on the 1st and the 15th of every month. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and visit our website for even more, such as our Inua Matters segment with Bruce, our very own podcast producer. Until then... Ahui ho. Aloha. <laughs> <laughs>